So, you know, we've been in this series called Not Yours, and Mark's been just challenging us about how much of our life um, we hold on to, but it really isn't ours, different aspects of our lives that aren't ours, and God wants us to steward those differently. And the, the key verse really comes out of 1 Corinthians uh, 19 and 20, and just part of it says, you are not your own, you were bought at a price, therefore honor God with your bodies. In the past few weeks, Mark and Jerry have been challenging us with our plans. How many are planners in the room? We struggle with that one, right? When I like to plan, I like to think out, have, have an, just it all laid out, and, and it really bothers me because God seems to do it a lot. He messes with that. Uh, and it's need to learn to trust him that he's, it's his plan, right? It's, it's his resources, it's his money, not mine. It's, it's not my fight, as Mark mentioned last week. It's, he's done it all. He's paid the way, amen? I don't have to fight. I rest in Jesus. Uh, so praise God for that. But this morning, what I want to talk to you guys about is about gifts and talents. Not my talents. Not my gifts. And, and I, I think this is a tough one. It's a bit a bit nebulous, a bit difficult to talk about because there's so much kind of different, different ideas about what gifts are and, and we hear it in kind of different concepts. What are, what are my talents and, and what's my purpose and all those kinds of things. Uh, it's a bit frustrating sometimes uh, when we talk about it because I don't know if you're like me, but people who are really, really talented drive me nuts. <laughs> they frustrate me. Anyone else? You know those people that can do anything really well, you've tried for like 10 years and then they pick up in 20 minutes, that kind of talented, am I the only one? No, this, this is real, right? So when I was, when I was younger, um, I grew up with a, a, a kid who's a friend of mine who was one of those people, hated him, not really, but sometimes, and he was, he was so talented, I mean, he could do anything really well. He could play basketball. Oh, and did I mention he doesn't have a right hand? He was born without a right hand. He's an incredible basketball player, an incredible baseball player, and an incredible guitar player. Yeah, so this guy's so, t- so talented, it's ridiculous. He's a songwriter, he's all this stuff. So when we were younger, we went to a winter camp together, and I was a, a leader. I was just a few years older. He was in high school. I was just a little bit older. And so that, I had that at least. I was a leader, right? And I had at least a little bit of like dominion over him or something. But he's just super talented. Well, this winter camp, as I go as a leader, it was the first place I met my wife, Daisha. And you know, a couple weeks ago when Mark and Jerry were talking about plans um, and that, that desire to be married, I remember having that desire, like that was my plan, but I was actually pretty much the other way. I didn't want to get married. <laughs> I wanted to be a missionary. I wanted to go into all the world. I really didn't have time for that. Uh, as the way I saw it. I just wanted to go preach the gospel around the world. That really was where I was at at the time. And, uh, and then I met her and everything changed. <laughs> so I saw her. I fell in love with her. And I, like most guys, I wanted to impress her. But I'm not super talented. And so we, 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 I didn't do a good job. We went ice skating one day, and of course, my friend had to come along too. Now, I've never been ice skating, but I wanted to figure, I want to impress her. Maybe I'm good, I'm balanced. I can, at least can stand upright, so I can figure this out, right? So I go, put on the ice skates, and we went ice skating, and I'm falling all over the place. I mean, I'm, I'm on my face and on my, high, you know, my back end the whole time, pretty much. And I look over, and I see my friend He's never ice skated either, and he's 
he's making laps, and he's doing spins, and he's like, hey, Nate, watch me do a jump. I'm like, yeah, jerk, right? <laughs> he's, he's, and I'm not making a very good impression on my wife. But that's what sometimes to me when we talk about gifts and talents, it's like, it's like, this comparison, and it gets into this weird, well, they're super talented, and I'm not, or I'm really talented, and, and, and you're not, or whatever it is, and it gets hard to talk about. It sounds like a good idea, but it's, it's a struggle to get our grip around. First uh, Peter 4, 10 says this, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Say, serve others. I know that's silly, but it's so important because that's got to be at the core of what we're talking about here. The gifts are given. Talents and gifts that God gives you are for others, okay? Okay, but then as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Now, like I said, verses like this are great, but sometimes uh, when I read them, I get frustrated because I get irritated with the super talented or the, you you know, the people who can just do everything. It's a tough thing for us to get a a grip on. There's a story of a successful businessman in New York City who decided he's going to go and buy a ranch. He wants to be a cattle rancher, you know, where you brand the cattle, I mean, the whole thing. And so he finally raises enough money. He goes to Montana. He buys a big plot of land, and and there it is, you know, this great ranch. And uh, a few months later, his friend from New York comes and visits, excited to see this, and you know, he, first thing he asked him, okay, what would you name the ranch? You know, because in the movies and the TV shows, everybody who has a ranch, it has some kind of cool name, right? So what would you name it? And he said, well, uh, it, that took us a little bit, but we, this is what we named it. He said, it's the Double R Lazy, Triple Seven Lucky Diamond Rugged Z Ranch. Like, guys, like, his friend's like, oh, okay, well... Didn't know they were that long, but that, you know, he kind of just accepts it at face value. He's from the city, so, uh, and, and he says, well, looking across the field, he says, where, where are all the cattle? He said, his friend says, well, they didn't survive the branding. <laughs> you get it? It's a big, right? That hurt. <laughs> I think gifts and talents are kind of like that. It's, it, you know, we, we brand ourselves, we brand others. We have this idea, whether it's negative or, or, or inflated, of how it's supposed to be. These are my gifts, these are my talents, or, or that's theirs and I don't have that. And it becomes hurtful. It becomes confusing. And it becomes about comparison. At least this has been my life, where I look at those people and they're so talented and, and, and I want to do this, this, and this, and this, but it's so confusing it's the double R, lazy, triple R, blah, blah, blah. I want it. But the problem is, is we were all wired for a purpose, for, for God-given talents, and, and when we're not operating in those, it becomes extremely frustrating. Probably like those cows getting branded. Right? Because we, we were designed for a purpose, but we struggle to find it, struggle to walk in it. Quote someone once said, they said, we act as though comfort and luxury were the chief requirements of life, when all that we need to make us really happy is something to be passionate about. Think about that. How much time do we think about and put our effort into comfort and luxury? When when what we really need is passion, to do what we're wired to do, to, to, to live that out and walk in it. 
But we're so often more like this rancher, and we're trying to figure it out all the time. And it's confusing and frustrating, and maybe we've read books or gone to, you know, who knows, trying to figure out what are, what are we good at. You know, some people go from job to job to job or, or whatever, struggling to figure out what am I wired to do. I'm not as good as them. They're so talented. How could I ever be used in that way? See, I think the problem is why do we become like this rancher? Why do we become so confused? It's because it's always primarily the problem is that we are focused on self. Yes, there are gifts given to us, but the problem is it's about me. And, and this pride, this focus on me manifests in two ways. It manifests in self-abasement, which means essentially self-abasement means like to, to be mean to yourself. The negative talk, the I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not skinny enough. I say that one. I'm not this, you know, I'm whatever, right? Those, those lies we tell ourselves, we're, we, we're not, we can't do it. That's self-abasement. But there's also self-absorption, which is the mentality of I'm better, right? But both are res- just rooted in the wrong mentality, which is me, pride. This problem is not new. The church people and humans all across the world struggle with this. It's, it's part of our human nature to want to be important and valuable, but finding that in the wrong things. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, years, 2,000 years ago, dealt with the exact same issue in the church in a city called Corinth, where he dedicates three chapters in his book to this issue. Don't worry, we're not going to read all three. But to the issue of gifts and talents and, and the, how to operate in these because it was creating division and confusion in the church. So part of it is in chapter 12, and he says this, verse 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. So there's... One spirit, but one body, that's us, and, and, but many different gifts that are distributed, okay? Verse 15 says, now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. It's kind of this analogy he's making here, okay? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, all of them, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. This analogy of this comparison, the foot is not a hand, or what if the whole body were an ear? We have problems. It's not, there's a diversity in the body, Okay. And he goes on, he says, I cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there would be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. And if one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. 
There's a lot of scripture there. I know it's a lot. But I just want us to catch this, the heart of this analogy Paul is making about the body. Because it, it really captures these two concepts. The self-abasement concept, which is, I don't fit. I don't belong. I'm not talented. I'm not pretty. I'm not attractive. Whatever it is that we think limits us, and we start saying these lies, this comparison happens, this inadequacy builds in our heart, and it leads to fear. It's almost like Yoda anger leads to fear. Fear leads to the dark side. Just kidding. But, but it is kind of like that. Fear grips us and keeps us back. Fear of failure, fear of, fear of rejection, hold us back from what God intended us. We play it safe rather than risking and stepping out in our God-given gifts and talents. And this fear, I don't know about you, but when you live in it, it de- develops a resentment. There's a bitterness when, when we live in fear, a bitterness that begins to happen. Where we immediately find ourselves criticizing or judging others or looking down or, or, or doing something in the nature to puff ourselves up or even looking at ourselves negatively. Either way, it's still self. But fear grips us and brings us into this place. And it's, it's more real and more prevalent than you think. For example, uh, just recently, my brother-in-law, uh, who is also one of these people that's super talented, he can do anything, and I don't really believe in luck, but if there's people who are lucky, he is lucky. And it's not fair, because he wins everything. He wins money, he wins bicycles, stereos, TVs, cars. He just wins stuff. And I never win anything. Someone gave me a card for service and said, Nathan, you finally won something. And it says, free pat on the back. <laughs> that was great. I loved it. I don't win stuff. And so I, I tease my brother-in-law, because he just always wins stuff. Well, recently he became, uh, and, he, and he's super talented, super good at anything he does, he became, he got sworn in as a police officer. And this process, I don't know if you've heard this, but they, they kind of have to, exp- they have to be pepper sprayed. And I thought, oh Lord, thank you God. <laughs> finally, excuse me, finally, there's some justice, right? So, so he goes, and, and this is a few months ago, he goes and he has to get pepper sprayed. And I mean, it's, it's, it turns out it's even better. Not only to get pepper sprayed, he had to do it twice. See, the first time he got kind of a half dose, so it didn't completely blind him, you know, so he, he, they were like, oh, that wasn't good enough, so I had to spray him again. And I was, you know, there's a part of me that was just, oh, thank you, Lord. This is, I love my brother, but man, it's finally, he got his, you know, he got something real life, he got something difficult to go his way. Now, this gets better. Just this week, he calls me, he sent me a video, and I can't show you the video because it's not, not appropriate, but he, w- he had to be tased, too, before he was sworn in. So I was like, oh, thank you, God. This is awesome. So he goes, and, and it gets better. I'm, like, his luck switched the other way. It went my way, or however you want to look at it. I don't believe in luck, but... So anyway, he, he gets tased, in this, and only one of the barbs goes in. So he only gets a half, whatever. I mean, he... he, he doesn't like it. It hurts. 25,000 volts, the first one. That sounds painful. Well, they're like, oh, that wasn't good enough. So while he's on the ground convulsing, they give him 50,000 just to, you know, make it. And I'm, you know, just, it's so good to see him finally get something, you know, that he, he deserves. I, anyway, 
Now that's funny, but, how, but think about how true it really is. How much we actually secretly, maybe not always secretly, celebrate when people finally get their just desserts. When there's finally that super talented person doesn't get a raise or doesn't get a job promotion. or uh, we, we, There's part of us that can kind of celebrate that. That's that bitterness, that resentment that I'm talking about. It's more prevalent than we realize, and it's rooted in this fear and this self-abasement that I'm, I'm not good enough. But Paul also deals with the other side, which is not self-abasement, but self-absorption. It's all about me. It's my gifts. Look how good I am. It's really a, the danger. It's really about self-reliance. And we celebrate this in our culture. We celebrate people who are strong and self-reliant. But how many know, you know, you say that, you know, some people might say, all right, well, I've got this. How many know, you know, when you face a hard thing in life and you say that too many times, pretty soon you don't got it. You know what I'm talking about? You try and do things on your own strength. You try and make things happen. You, you know, you try and do things. We end up finding ourselves, you know, kind of above, or the, the water above our heads in that. We get, we get lost in, in things bigger than us. The same attitude, the same mentality, I got this, gets us in a lot of trouble. It's kind of like this, right? If you, don't, if you can't see what it is, there's like a raging fire, and this poor kid has got a you know, sprinkler hose, a little hose. A lot of times when we say we've got this, we don't really have it. A lot of times when we are, it's all about us, we're, we're, we think we have control, we think we have all of the stuff in place, but we really, we really don't. We don't have this. We're in over our heads. And a lot of times, whether it's self-abasement or self, uh, self-absorption, we're so caught up in us that we've, we miss the big picture of how God's gifts were designed to be utilized through us in a way that can only be through us. And I want to take this minute just to kind of tell you about something that we're excited about because we believe that, that as it says in Ephesians, that the purpose of the church or leaders of the church is to equip the saints for ministry. That it's, to, it's to bring, uh, help you, help all of us become who God's made us to be. And so we're, we're starting this thing starting in June called Discovery Track. And it'll be three weeks during second service. It's right here. And it's really about this. It's about helping us not, you know, walk out with a brand and have it all figured out. But begin that process of begin discovering how has God made me, and how does, that, how does that, that tie to my giftings, my personality, my experiences, uh, you know, my passions, and, and help us begin to be and do what God's called us to do? Because it, we're passionate about seeing that happen. So I hope you can take a look at that. There'll be more information coming soon. Uh, but it's called Discovery Track, and it really ties into this, de- really developing those gifts and talents that God's called us to, to operate in, and then to utilize those for his for his purposes, not for our own gain. Because we need to break these cycles in our lives. We need to break the self-abasement or the self-absorption, whichever it is, or a little bit of both. Both are the same root. It's me, it's pride, it's self. We need to break these. And I want to just give us three truths to kind of help us do that. The first one is simply this. What Paul's saying is the body cannot function without diversity. As Paul said, you, need, you don't need just an ear. You don't need just a hand. 
What are we doing complaining about that? Using that analogy, we need the whole body. And there's lots of parts, and all of them matter. There's, there's a lot of, uh, you know, attempt to kind of focus on just what we do up here. What, what this is, well, this is, you know, preaching or music or, you know, things at church that kind of look up front. But no, it's not about that. It's about everything in your life, everything that God's equipped you to do. There's a diversity in it. We're not all, all ears, you know, to use that. We need, we need other parts. There's, a, there's power in diversity, and a lot of times we're struggling to understand how that, how that works and how that develops. And I want to just use this story to kind of give you a question, because sometimes, a lot of times, not just sometimes, a lot of times we need better questions. Stories of an older gentleman, older man who looked at younger people, and he began to see that so much of their identity, so much of what they were doing was about just going to work, doing their thing, you know, going from job to job. And he said, you know, I decided I wanted to, to ask better questions, help them think a little bit deeper. And so he just posed this question, and he got all sorts of results. But the question was, what have you done that you believe in and you are proud of? Because isn't it true most of the time when we go, we talk to people, what do we, we don't say, you know, we meet someone, hey, what do you do and what are you proud of? You ever done that to anybody? I sure haven't. <laughs> I usually, you might say, well, what do you do for a living? Or what do you do? Or, you know, what do you do to make money? I don't know. That's kind of how we look at it pretty much, right? But he, I like the way he posed this question and I, I encourage you to consider it. What have you done that you believe in and you are proud of? Jot this down. Write some ideas down. Pray, give it to God. Talk to a mentor. Talk to somebody to, you know, say, what do you think? Because there, there are clues in that, in that question that help us realize the diversity, the uniqueness that God's placed in us. Start asking those questions and even asking them of God. Because I, I didn't say this first service, but I, I, I'm, I don't want to just exist. Right? I don't want to just kind of go through life check out every day, go home, veg out every day, go back to, that's not, I want to I be in, in God's purpose, make an impact, make a difference, live out what he's called me to do. I just need help sometimes knowing how to do that. Second point, not only is there diversity, the second point is God has placed you exactly where he wants you. That doesn't mean that things don't change or he moves us and, and life happens or whatever, but it, where you are right now is where God wants you. And we struggle with that sometimes. The grass is always greener. Oh, if we just had this or if I just was, had that job or if I was just here or if I, had, if, you know, if I could just play guitar like Eric Clapton, you know, or whatever, whatever it is. We have all these ideas of, of it's always better. But, but maybe God has you right where he wants you in your workplace, in your neighborhood, your family, the, the, the places where you shop, you are unique in those places. Only you can do something unique in that place that's unique just to you. You are there for a reason. There's a story, and we just, we just often don't know what that is. We're a little confused. There's a story of this young man named Antonio. He, he tried to learn to sing, and he goes to school and to learn to sing, and they say, well, Antonio... Sorry, you probably better not sing. You know, you're, this is not good. So then he tries to learn an instrument. He tries piano and violin and a few others. And, and no, sorry, Antonio. 
definitely not what you should be doing. You should probably just give up music. So he says, well, what, what do I do? What, what can I do with my life? And someone jokingly said, well, the only thing you're good at is you can whittle wood. So he decided to, well, okay, I, I am kind of good at that. I'm going to go learn this. I'm going to be the best wood whittler, if that's the way you say it, that there ever was. I'm going to do the best I can. I'm going to go figure out how to be, you know, the, the best artisan possible with this. Well, he ends up doing just that and becomes the creator of some of the most sought-after instruments in history. His name, Antonio Stradivarius. The violins, some of these violins that he made go for millions. Some of them are priceless. You just may not know what God's created you right where you're at. There might be something right in front of you, but we spend so much time comparing that we don't see, actually, God made you for this. We need to realize where we're at is where he wants us and and open our eyes to that. Third part is every part matters equally. There is no hierarchy of gifts or talents. There's not, you know, one, you know, the guitar player is more gifted, so he's more special or something. It's nothing like that. In fact, Paul almost says the opposite. He says, actually, the gifts, the, the talents and gifts that are seen we don't give them special treatment, but the ones that we hide or we, have mo- we cover with modesty, those are the ones that have special treatment. They're the ones that are vital. Think of it this way. It's great that you have a hand, but if your heart isn't working, right? All the parts matter equally. Not just the visible ones, not just the ones that we look to, not just the 15 minutes of fame. Have you ever stood in line? I, I remember we were at Disney World, and they have the... What's the one? I get them confused because I don't watch the American Idol. They have the American Idol thing. <clears throat> and you watch the line of people. They're just sure they're going to have their 15 minutes of fame and, fame. and you're like, oh, man, you know, some of that's just going to make good TV. Because <laughs> it's, just, it's just sad, right? Maybe we should look at what we're good at and ask God speaking to where our lives are right now, not just... Not just those dreams we put up on a platform. Maybe we need to see if we are the best wood whittlers out there. You never know what God could actually develop you. This young boy, he wanted to do so much, but look what God did. So every part matters. The gifts and talents God's given us are not meant for our benefit. That's, why, that's part of why they don't. there's no hierarchy. It's for others. It's to serve others. There may, there's one spirit that gives these gifts, so there's no ranking. It's just the gifts, talents that he's distributed. In fact, it says in 1 Corinthians 12.4, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. Let me just kind of drive this home a little bit with a story, and it's a story Jesus told, and, and, and Mark highlighted it just a few months ago, so I won't spend a lot of time on it, but it's a story in Matthew 25, and it's commonly known as the parable of the talents, or in some newer translations, the parables of the bags of gold. Because a talent was, was a measurement or weight of money. A lot, a lot of times it was a talent of silver, a talent of gold. As it was a lot. We're talking years worth of wages. It was a lot of money. And, and this, this famous story is right in the middle of Jesus pre- teaching his disciples near the end of his ministry. Hey, I'm going to go. I'm going to die on the cross and I'm going to resurrect and ascend. But then you have a job to do. 
and then I'll come back. That's basically a, several of these stories, and then he, and he kind of, this one's right in the middle. And the story is of this man who has three servants, and, and he, he entrusts each of them with a certain amount of talents, a certain amount of money. Uh, but I love that it's the word talent. It's actually where we derive the word talent. And there's one who gets five. That's like my, my friend who could do everything. You know, he's, he's just super good. And then there's the one who has two. That's my brother-in-law, also very talented. And then there's, then there's me. I get the one, right? Not really, but you understand the, the, the picture. There's three different people. They get three different levels. Okay, of these talents, distribute any, basically says, I'm going to go away, and I'm going to have you invest this, do something with it, do something great with it, and then we'll, we'll check things back when I get back. And it says in verse 19, I want to pick up there, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five talents, or five bags of gold, uh, bought, or brought the other five. He had doubled it. He says, Master, you entrusted me with the five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man who had two talents or two bags of gold says, Master, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. He doubled it. So the one who had two has now four. They both doubled it, but there's still a vast difference in talents. But then the third says, a man who only received one talent or one bag of gold said, Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid, <clears throat> hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. And his master replies, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew, in other, he's, this is kind of rhetorical, so you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then why didn't you just go to the money changer, the banker, and deposit it and make interest, basically, right? That's, so here's this picture. And there's a lot there, and Mark covered a lot of that a few months ago, but I want to highlight this core difference. What's the difference between the, the, the five and two? Because they have the same reward, don't they? You've been faithful with little, here's much. Well done, good and faithful servant. I mean, it's, it's the same thing. There's no difference. There's no comparison. But what's the difference between those two? How did they become so successful, if you want to call it that? How did they operate in their gifts and talents that way? But the one that, who had one didn't. If it's not about the amount, it's about something else. And I think it's about two words, humility and perception. See, lack of humility and wrong perception will keep you from understanding and utilizing your God-given gifts and talents. It's not about how much. It's not about how talented or how gifted. It's about, first of all, humility. Where does it come from? See, the difference is the two servants that doubled their talents, how did they start their reply? Master, you entrusted me. Master, you entrusted me. The servant who had the one, what is his response? Master, I knew. You catch that? Who do they look to? They look to God. They look to their master as their provider. The servant with the one, it was him. It was his perception that mattered. That was, that was what what was key, and it led him into error. 
James 1.17 says this. It says, every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Every good and every perfect gift comes from God. It's a, it's a mentality, a humility mentality that recognizes that all comes from God. All our resources, all our talents, all our abilities, this is God. He's given it to us. You know, when I was younger, because I tend to be kind of a questioner, like challenge the status quo sometimes, I, you know, I grew up praying for meals. Uh, and somebody somewhere along the lines had told me, well, when you pray for meals, it's so you don't die from something. Somehow that had gotten in my head, and so I was like, that's dumb. I'm not going to think, I'm, well, Lord, please don't let this pizza kill me. You know, that's not, that, was, that doesn't make sense to me. But it wasn't until someone in my life said, Nate, it's not about that. It's about being thankful. It's about recognizing that, yeah, you may have worked and earned the money that brought that food to the table, but God provided with the gifts and abilities to do the job and the job and the, you go through. God is the source of all those things. So it's an acknowledgement of where the source is. The humble choose to live with intentional thankfulness. You want to grow in your gifts and abilities? This may seem so simple. Start being intentionally thankful. It seems, what does that have to do with gifts and abilities? It's about recognizing where they come from, right? So so powerful. The other word was perception. See, the wicked servant is convinced that God is hard and unfair. This is his perspective. And and like A.W. Tozer, a Christian pastor once said, what we think about God is the most important thing about us. His perception of God was wrong. It was warped. It was twisted. You might say it this way. Our perception of who God is and what he's like will directly impact who we are and what we do. Directly impact. So we need right perspective. Right perception. And it brings me back to the first scripture we looked at this morning. 1 Peter 4.10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And just struck me about this, thinking about gifts and talents and how my perception can be wrong and I'm, I, I don't often walk in true humility. Sometimes I walk in self-abasement and think that's humility. And I say that I'll bring those kind of things to, oh, I'm not as talented. I'm not as this or that. And I'm willing to bet I'm not the only one in this room that's thought that way, compared myself. I was thinking about that in light of the scripture and this word about, this word various. It seems so simple. Well, God's grace, his gifts of grace in various forms. The word various is also often translated manifold, and and the idea in Greek is is many. Gifts of grace deposited, distributed in many ways. It's kind of like the idea of a prism. This isn't Pink Floyd, by the way. (laughs) Anyway. Light hits the prism, a beam of light. And as, as I'm no scientist, but you understand this a little bit, as that beam of light hits that prism, 
it, dis- it slows down light and it distributes that. It breaks it into these core colors. It's, I mean, I think the standard colors are red, orange, yellow. I had this last service. G- green, right? Roy G. Biv, right? Blue, indigo, violet. There we go. Okay. So, I've, you know, I thought, well, that, that's, that's, that's pretty neat. God, light enters in. The Spirit distributes these gifts. We're all these different, each of us is a different color. Well, that's not a lot of colors. But then I was like, well, you know, there's more than that. I had crayon boxes with more colors, right? So there's a little more colors than that. And then I realized, well, a crayon box, let's say there's 18, you know, 18. Remember the 18 box of crayons? Different colors. Well, I've gone to paint stores with my wife, and I know there's a lot more than 18, supposedly, because there's million different shades of green that I'd never heard of before. Anyone else? I, I don't see it, but anyway, there, there's all these different colors. So there's a lot of colors. So I got to thinking, did a little bit of research. How many colors are there? Are there 18? Is there 18? Well, no, we know there's more than that in a crayon box. So how about 18,000? Think of this as, as I'm saying this about God's light and the Holy Spirit distributing to each person. Well, no, there's more than 18,000. I did this research. I read somebody else's research, I should say. 18 million. I think there's 18 million colors. There's, no, that's not even enough. 18 trillion? That number is, that's the national debt, right? It's a, it's a lot of, that's a lot. So they take this, they take colors and light and light variation and all this and they do this equation that you don't want to know and this this number doesn't even come close to the amount of colors that exist not even close this is the number 18 with 33 zeros 18 decillion which I didn't know that sounds like it was made up colors. Now get this. The God who one day said, let there be light, and it's that rich? Who are we to say, God, how can you use me? I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not this enough. I'm not that enough. I, who are we? When the God of the universe who just spoke light into existence, it's more complex than our brains can comprehend distributes gifts to each of us. They're not ours, they're His. We just reflect it. Amen? And I don't know about you, but that excites me. Because I know I can at least be one of those and reflect God's grace in its various forms. Can we stand together? I mean, isn't our God amazing? Can we think about that? The Father of lights. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. That's good stuff. So I'd like us to close our eyes and bow our heads for for just a moment and give opportunity. I feel like there may be some in this room 
that your whole life, like the, the servant with one talent, you've just been convinced that God is a hard, cruel taskmaster. But you, you sense today there's a tugging on your heart that actually, no, there's a, there's a, there's a loving God. So good, so vast, so amazing that he would actually look at me as unique and chosen. That is, as the Bible says, came and he sent his son to die on the cross and be rose again so that you could enter in. Now you can be that ray of light for him. So if there's anyone in this room who, in this, you never have, you've never understood this, you've never understood the God of the universe loves you, forgives you, wants to make you new. I'd like to give opportunity just, just to pray for you. Is there anyone, if, you, if that's you this morning, could you raise your hand? Just anybody. So we can pray for you. Okay. Don't want to miss any opportunity here. Secondly, I feel like there are many of us who we, we've known God, we've walked with God, but we really still struggle in this area. We still struggle to see God in a right light. We've been his servant, we've, we've, we've followed him, but he wants to show us how good he really is. And instead of hiding away, instead of using those lies of I'm not good enough I'm not talented enough I'm not smart enough lay that down and recognize you're his he's made you unique and, and for that purpose and I just feel like if there's anyone in that, that's you've been struggling with that could you raise your hand this morning I'd like to pray for you Amen. you know God's created you for a purpose you've just struggled to understand what that is and how to walk that out I want to pray for you. Is there anyone in this room? Amen. Amen. Well, Father, I pray for these people. Lord, I pray for myself. Lord, I know I struggle with this. Lord, would you remind us how big you are, how great you are? Lord, would you reveal to these people, Lord, the steps, Lord, in their life, the clarity they need, but that they would just begin to trust you, to look to you, that the gifts and talents aren't about them, but about turning to you and letting you move through them. Encourage them, Lord. Remind them, Lord, that they are uniquely created and to stop comparing, but to look to you, Jesus, the only one, Lord, who, would, who redeemed their souls and made them new, made them living new creations in, in your kingdom, God. Restore hearts to you, God, in Jesus' name.